to the Truth Dork, and I'm down to Dork. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to Dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to Dunk. This is Kapoku, and I'm down to Dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm going to hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always on Mondays, is my good friend, Michele Barrett. Michele, what's up? Well, um, it's Monday. I'm glad to be back. Um, I can't see you because my connection is so bad that they decided that I was not worthy for even... uh, half a megabyte of connection today <laughs> so we're going uh ninja style uh we can see each other uh we can't record live but hey uh this is live sometime that's right we're gonna make this work as are the thunder tonight in portland with a game that is all about it's, it's not really even about the games tonight it's more about the balls when we talk about balls i mean lottery balls it's not even about basketballs tonight uh tonight Gosh, it's going to be a skeleton crew is probably like a kind way to say it. I mean, the guys that are going to play for the Blazers, I had to look it up because I don't know that I can name three guys off the top of my head. that are going to be playing for this team tonight, but it's going to be Brandon Williams, Drew Eubanks, Keon Johnson, which I'm kind of excited to see Keon play. He played 32 minutes the other night. Didn't didn't know about that. Discovered that today. Uh, CJ Ellaby. Trin Wofford is actually out, so he's been a guy that's been good for them. He's out. Uh, ben McLemore, Chris Dunn, Elijah Hughes, Kelgen Blevins is another name. Those are the guys. If you can picture, if you can sit and picture more than three of those guys and what they look like in your head, you are officially an NBA sicko. Yeah, I mean, you can probably picture Keon. Uh, uh, Blevins, I, I think I know who it is just because... Of- it was a very weird name, and I checked in the other time that the OKC played against Portland. And then, I mean, I already forgot about every other guy. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be, the issue is that it's not even a Geely game. Like, it's a bit worse than that. Yeah. Like, everyone is is understanding what is happening to both sides of the uh, of the court. And, and yeah, no one cares. I mean, this is just, hey. I'm better than you at putting like guys in the court that they that they that cannot play NBA basketball. So mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. I mean, if you look at the injury report for OKC and you have Trey Mann, you have Maladon, you have Poku, you have GRE coming back for some reason that goes behind my comprehension. I mean, those are like end of the bench on a bad team rotation guy mm-hmm. is probably. That's much better than what Portland can can put in the court. Uh, no offense for those guys, but I mean, maybe Keon Johnson will be maybe uh, some sort of uh, NBA guy in the future. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we get a hot Ben McLemore night. Maybe Chris Dunn has a resurgence in Portland. No, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be a very brutal game, you know, without, I mean, the top guys and points for the Thunder this season, Shea, Dort, Giddy, Darius, your top four are all gone. You got Trey, who's fifth in scoring this season at 
man, if I don't know that I would have ever thought that Trey Mann in his first season could average 10 points per game. Now, it's taken some different kind of circumstances to get him there. However, it's not, to me, it's not like the only reason that he's there is because he's had hot shooting from a certain spot. He's, he is clearly a, one of the elite space creators in the league. Now, if he can get that to result in actual efficient jump shooting, then we're talking about a really good player. He just has to be able to do that because he can create space whenever he wants it. Uh, the problems that he's having, though, are really aren't from the three-point line. From th- from six from sixteen feet to the three-point line, he's thirty-seven percent. From the three-point line, he's thirty-six percent. Like that's fine. Like those are good percentages yeah. on the volume that he's taking. It's just that when once you get inside sixteen feet, he's shooting forty-one percent. From three to ten feet, he's thirty-nine percent. At the rim, he's like. 50%. And those are those numbers aren't good enough to be the kind of score that we say that he is. Uh, however, there's a lot to be encouraged about. The fact that he can get 10 points per game and he's averaging well above that through the month of March. He's like 16, 5, and 2 over the month of March, which is really nice. Uh, but it's it's good. He's he's the lone bright spot that is continuing to exist with the Thunder right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, suppose that we go back in the past, Mickey and Andrew talking about Trey Man, and I mean, I would be probably astonished that he a he played so many games uh, that he did. Um, I was very suspicious about his difference. I mean, uh, we we like to listen to, to Sam Vicini and to other guys. And, and it was not just Sam. Like everyone said, okay, this guy, he can be um, a lights out shooter. Uh, he can be a pull up threat uh, from the beginning, but he will have a lot of issues staying on the court. And, and to be honest, credit to him, he worked a lot uh, on that end especially on his positioning defensively. I mean, at the beginning of the year, he didn't see any time where Trey Mann could have been um, at least even like close to the position where a guy should be to get a charge. And over the past few games, he's getting charges. Uh, he's getting in the, in the right spot early. He understands uh, the, the, how to, to move around defensively, which is, which is very important uh, in this league. And on the fact that he's inefficient close to the basket, I mean, I remember us discussing, hey, at the beginning of this season, he couldn't get his shut off against like anybody in practice from three, from wherever on the court. And now we're talking about a guy that is already dangerous from three. He's uh, above league average in a lot of areas uh, from three-point range. Close range uh, is still adjusting. And the fact that he's not able yet to generate a lot of the rim is clearly important to monitor, but I would not put anything more than, hey, we just need to see how he adjusts next year because I think it is unfair to ask for a guy that is very, very skinny. So he has trouble in terms of shaking guys uh, off of him uh, with his uh, with his physicality right now. And so he has to, to use like weird angles and extreme step backs in order to generate uh, space. I think that with time uh, and with maybe getting a little bit stronger, uh, that could solve itself. Um, now, this is, was the optimistic part. There is also a pessimistic part where you could say, hey, 
this is the Trey Mann that we will see on defense for their for their entire career. So a guy that yes can take a charge, but he's not like a, a functional part of a good defense, uh, and also he's not efficient enough efficient enough offensively. Because I mean, yes, you can grow physically, but there is no tell if the shot will translate to better percentage. I mean, yes, there are guys at six one, six two that are mid range killers, uh, and Trey Mann has all all the chances to be a guy like that because the the shooting stroke is so pure that you believe that the shot goes in. So um, I agree that uh, is uh, a bright spot, and like if you want to project the good. He is a very interesting player. But I got like uh, on Thunder After Dark or on Question of the Day, I got a question like, would you trade Giddy or Man if if he was the, the chance to climb from four to say three or two? I don't think it's close. Even it's if close. I like how yeah. how Trey Man is doing right now, I don't I think that he's like Giddy gives a team a totally different complexity on offense and maybe in a year from now we will say hey we were very stupid to say so but today i mean a guy that 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 scores 16 8 and 8 for an entire month and can manipulate the defense at 19 years of age um, that to me is still a little bit uh higher in the pecking order yeah i i don't think that we'll be saying that we're we were stupid in a year at all in fact i think that we will be more cemented in the take that we had before because we also have to remember that Trey is older than Josh. He is a yeah. Josh is going to. I think people are are not understanding how much bigger and stronger Josh is going to get. And the thing about Josh is like he's one of the more like ground bound six foot eight guys in the league, and his strength is he uses it to his advantage all the time. I mean, he gets guys in jail when he's on offense with his dribble. He is a great rebounder. Like with, as this guy gets bigger and stronger, those skills are going to get better, you know? Yeah. And once he gets, I mean, he's had a chance to play almost everybody in the league this year. He's going to watch a ton of film. Like he's going to put in the work in the off season. I assume that he will be fine to start training once the off season really begins because he'll still be traveling with the team and be with the team until this is all over. But uh, my assumption is that he'll go back to Australia for a bit, come back and start training. I just have a hard time believing he's not going to get better. And I'm not going to say like Trey's not going to get better. He's this, but Josh is Josh already has an absolute elite skill in passing and his court vision and his smarts, but he's also a great rebounder. If he can develop any kind of shot or consistency with scoring, like this guy's going to be incredible. And, you know, I mean, Josh, the, the field wasn't great for the player for the rookie of the month in the Western conference. The field wasn't great, but the fact is that like Josh won it every month that he played. And that's for a good reason. And he played on the same team as Trey Mann. And Trey is probably not going to get it this month. My guess is that Jalen Green will end up getting it. Jalen Green's numbers are a little bit better. Uh, so that would be that would be my guess there. But, yeah, I, I think that we, when we don't see guys play for a little while, we begin to kind of forget who they are and forget what they did for this team. I think we did that with Shea when he was out. And Josh was really good. Yeah. And now I feel like we've done it again with Josh. 
And it's and it's hard because you I feel like there's been so many different pockets of this thunder season that have all these different feels to it. But like we can't be prisoner of the moment with Trey. This is like Josh Giddy was chosen sixth, and people think that he probably should have been taken fifth or fourth. I mean, that's the kind yeah. of season that he's had. So even though Trey, yeah. they're just the problem. Yeah. The hard thing is that they're so different, though. Yeah. And, and, and to me, like, um, let's put it this way if Josh Giddy is what we saw this season and nothing more, he's probably going to be an NBA player for the remainder of his career uh, if yeah. he wants uh, to be that. Likely uh, a, and likely probably a he start. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And probably he could start for a number of teams. For a number of teams, maybe not every teams, uh, every team, but but he can play. Uh, Trey Mann, if he's the version that we saw this year, he may be on someone's bench. That yeah. to me is how I I I, how I would frame it. And, and also, the elite skills of Josh are elite today. Like elite in terms of hey, the passes that, that Josh makes are there are probably ten NBA players that can make the majority of those not more like in order for trey to be special his shot needs to be a lot better like and i'm not saying this couldn't happen i mean trey man could like start next season and bombing 45 percent for three uh that can happen maybe 40 45 is a little bit of an exaggeration uh, due to how many pull-ups he takes um yeah but maybe he will he will be like a 39 percent three-point shooter with a lot of pull-ups that is extremely hard to do and extremely valuable. That said, in order for me to take him over a guy like Giddy, it means that Trey needs to average like 25 points because he takes like 12 threes per game and makes a lot of them. Yeah. That is that is how Trey Mann becomes more valuable. He, he becomes like a, a, a version of the, like a light version of Steph Curry. Yeah. Like then, then yeah, then of course, uh, sure. shooting, we know. Yeah, but, but we would that take is, that. <laughs> we would take yeah, that. exactly. No, I said the light version. Like uh, Even still, I mean, it would be, it would yeah, be something that's else what, that, to that's have what a guy I'm saying. like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, in order for Josh to be, like, in order for Trey to be ahead of Josh, he needs to be much, much better than what he is right now. And, and it's unfair. It's unfair to say, hey, yeah, you did it against Boston. Let's do that every single day. Uh, I mean, clearly, he can do that sometimes. Uh, he had great games. And, and the thing that I, 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 I think we should discuss is the fact that uh, the beauty of Treyman's game is the fact that he can be effective a lot off the ball, especially yeah. when you have a lot of good guys around him. Because, I mean, he's a guy that if he has like three feet of, of space, the ball is in the air. There is no second guessing themselves. There is, hey, I'm open, this is my shot, and I'm making it. So um, this is very interesting for KC going forward because um, I think that even if he's not the star or he's not better than Giddy or, or blah, 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 there is a spot for Trey in every lineup because he can really mesh with Josh. He can really mesh with Shea, and he can probably play alongside the two. I mean, defensively, you'll need something better around them but um but it's very interesting how he can be on off the ball whatever you need him to be he can be effective yeah and this is this is like the whole like really good thing about this is that we don't have to choose 
is that exactly and and that's how it kind of has felt with like a with a lot of these guys but i think if you were to sit down and talk with somebody from the thunder front office they'd be like listen if this is what we're trying to do is that we're trying to find as many skilled players as we can the thunder struggled to find good shooters outside of their like big time players within their offense in the last like big go around like hey if they can add Trey Mann to this and he can be a reliable shooter not only off the catch but somebody that can go get his own bucket too like amazing that's great and you can bring him off the bench i mean ideally you start giddy and shay and whoever you get in this draft and whoever else and then you can bring Trey in off the bench to supplement your scoring and like you don't have to have somebody off the court, you know, you don't have to bring Shea off the court and be like, well, what's going to happen to the offense? It's like, well, no, no, no. Ideally, you can bring Trey in and he continues to carry the offense and can yeah. carry it in a different way than Shea does for a few minutes. Yeah, very surprising that you didn't mention Dort in your future lineup. Are you on the <laughs> hay train? Since you are already on the bit crazy hay train, are you jumping on the Dort's one as well? Uh, uh, what there's, I mean, what is there really a beat crazy train to board right now? That would be my question. I know, I know, but I mean, I'm. I like the fact that he is long. Yeah, uh, he may be more athletic going forward. I know that he has knee problems, blah, blah, blah. This is wishful thinking. But let's get the athleticism aside. He knows where to be on offense. And even if I don't trust the shot because of the unnecessary movements that he adds to the legs and he kicks it, uh, he kicks them, he has a hitch, the shot is going in. And I know the attempts are not like a sufficient number to say anything. But at least I am intrigued about the fact that he can, he really knows where to be on offense. And it seems that when he's on the court, the offense moves better. Um, so I'll, I will just say that uh, I'm mildly interested about Vic Krejci and I would, would gladly see him another year. Yeah. Yeah. He plays a position of need. He's a wing. You can always use more wings in the NBA and he can handle a little bit. He knows he's got great spatial awareness and in, in how to s spread out an offense. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to like about him. I just don't know. I just don't know how much I believe in the shot. I mean, yeah, he's taken 56 threes all season, and no fault of his own that he's only gotten that many. You know, that's just the way that things have gone for him. And, and to his credit, he's made them. Uh, let me ask you this question. Do you believe more in Veet's three-point shot or Isaiah Roby's three-point shot? About the same. Uh, I think that uh, Veet Krejci's three-point shot is a little bit more versatile than what, he, what Roby is. Um, Roby is way more uh, adept to take corner trees and top of the key trees, uh, whereas Veet seems to be a little bit more versatile. But I know that they are both above 40%. Yeah, Veet today is 39 and Isaiah is 41 and a half. Yeah. But he's also limited a limited number. He's 27 of 65 and Veet is 22 of 56. So, yeah. you know, it's 
it's a it's a limited number of threes. And I mean, you look at the shooting on this team. I mean, that's the biggest eyesore, and that's an obvious one because the Thunder have been the worst shooting team in the league all season. But you look at the roster, and you have to ask yourself some questions like whose shot do I believe in? You know, I, I see Jeremiah and Lou who feel like guys that could be role players in the future. They're both 33% three point shooters this season. My answer like is like, sure. Like that's probably about the kind of shooters those guys are, you know, they've got both of them have enough of a sample that you're like, yeah, okay. That's probably the type of shooters they are. Kenrich was 34% on only 121 attempts. Uh, that also feels about right for him. He had a great yeah. season last season. Yeah, I was about to say. It was an aberration. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got Trey Mann, who we spent a big chunk of time talking about. And then who is it? Like, I know that I trust Shea's shot. He hadn't shot it well this season. He is 30% from three this season but I believe that he's going to be closer to like a 36, 37% three point shooter. I don't have any problems with him. And then like you get like Baisley's played a crap ton of minutes this year and he's 29%. And that's about what he is. In my opinion, I don't think he's going to be a great three point shooter. Uh, Teo Maladon. I don't know that he's long for the thunder. He's still only 27%. Poku's only 27%. Josh Giddy's 26% on the season. You know, there's a glaring need for shooting on this team. And we talked about Veet. Like, if Veet can fill that role off the bench as a wing guy that can come off the bench and contribute to the offense and shoot and stretch the floor, great. That's wonderful. I would love to have that. This team is in dire need of that. Yeah. And that's where you look toward the draft and start thinking about what is this team going to look like? Who can they add? And, you know, there's there's going to be some guys that are going to be helpful. That's where I think the people that are intrigued with Jabari Smith are intrigued because this could be a high-volume three-point shooter from the four position, and that would be wonderful for this team. Like yeah. he, he makes a ton of sense for this roster. Yeah, you know, to me, the, the crazy thing is I would phrase it this way. Um, do you think that he will be on the roster next season? And if so, do you think that he plays a bit? That he has a similar role compared to what he is right now for the team next year? I think that he's more likely than he has a role and Robbie doesn't than the opposite. I mean, I, I think that... Robbie didn't have a role uh, on this team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, good point. Um, uh, but if you remove favors, let's say that you remove favors and there is no... Uh, yeah, I, I think that Roby Roby will. Yeah, you are right. Um, my point is, I I would like to see Baisley, even if Kenrich comes back. Yeah. I, I would like to see him more than I would like to see Jerome on the court. Yeah. Uh, like, if you can find a way to downsize a little bit and have him as a three, three and a half, I would like to see that because I don't know. I I like the combination of size and awareness, and um, and yeah, the shooting is a huge question mark. I don't know if I trust him, but again. I don't see the the release part being an issue. Mm-hmm. I see more as uh, this all these unnecessary movements that uh, that are around the shot that I think he can clean up. Yeah. Um, 
And then who knows? I mean, he doesn't have to be a 39% shooter in order to be mildly effective uh, on the as a role player of the bench next season. Yeah. And um, and, and what you said about uh, about Giddy means that I want a pizza and um, a big one. So I just have to <laughs> I just have to find a way to to collect my my winnings. I mean, uh, exactly it's, right. with Giddy, it's it's um, it's tricky. I mean. 26 is hard. Uh, I, I, I sustain all the things that I said about him being in this league no matter what, no matter about his shot. He can be great even without the shot. Mm-hmm. But can he be elite, uh, like a top 15, top 20 guy shooting 26%? I don't quite believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that number needs to change. Uh, I think that the shot selection will change a little bit. Uh, the pull-up doesn't need to be there. The spot-up shooting needs to be there, I think, especially yeah. early. Um, and, and again, as you mentioned, a guy that can add volume three-point shooting will change this team dramatically. Yeah. Uh, because if Giddy has half an inch more uh, or half a, well, a feet more, um, if Shea is, has a little bit more space, then everything becomes much, much easier. Uh, for for everyone on the court, including Giddy and and his slow release, mm-hmm. so um, it's it's a wait and see. But again, I, I would not uh, remove Krejci from the list of mildly interesting guys that I want to give another look at. Yeah, I, I think that's the right approach with him. Is to not, I mean, I, I still have a lot of questions about what he can be, which means that we need to see him more. You know, yeah. and and we'll see an awful lot of him tonight in Portland. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe some of our questions Yay! can be answered during this late tip tonight. Yeah, I mean, the guys that we know for sure are going to be on this team next year, pen, you know, if there's not a trade of some sort, which is possible. I mean, I would never say for sure, for sure they're going to be on here. But let's say that they just make some selections in the draft and come to camp. Oh, and... Let's say three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. They a, consolidate two. That's a fair in number. one. Yeah, I think it's possible that they do that, or they trade a pick for a future pick. You know, I could see any of those kind of things happening. Uh, I think that there's nine guys that you can bank that will be here: Shea, Dort, Giddy, Baisley, Wiggins, Jre, Trey, Man. <laughs> Why Baisley is an on the sure thing kind of list? One, he just probably has no trade value whatsoever. Yeah, you can just and let him go. Yeah, but he's got another year. So yeah, you're right. He's got his last year of his rookie scale. And yeah, why I'm under the impression that he's here. Longer than that because of the bubble. Anyway, yeah, probably the bubble felt like two seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got one year left, so I think those. I think I said I don't know if I got to Poku, but Poku too. And so you're at nine, right there, and then I think I stopped you at five. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so let's repeat. Let's repeat. Shea, Giddy, Man, Dort, Baisley, Poku. Williams, um, JRE, EJRE, and you said Kenrich, Trey, Poku. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yes. then two way, Lindy Waters has already taken a two way for next year. So he'll be yeah. on a two way. That's 10. And then favors. I don't know what they're going to do with favors. Are they just going to buy him out? Are they going to try to trade him? You're going to attach, willing to attach the asset that it will likely take to trade him. I don't know. Nah. Mascala is 11 for sure. Um, I see Ty Jerome uh, being dealt maybe with favors for a bigger contract. Yeah, maybe so. Or they could waive Ty. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that too. He's got another year just like Darius does. But yeah, the squeeze is going to get even crazier just and also depending on what happens with the drafts and where the thunder selecting to the thunder stay at i mean i think they're going to have the fourth best odds do they end up staying at four are the first three guys off the board chet jabari and paulo if they are you're taking a guard or a wing i would i would say that with at that fourth spot the guys that make the most sense if this is where they stay jade ivy at the tip top, I think that you can't ignore what A.J. Griffin has done uh, as a 18-year-old freshman at Duke, still in the tournament, shooting outrageous percentages. We talk about shooting. Uh, this guy's going to bring shooting and his wide stance to the NBA next year, and he sure w- would help <laughs> this Thunder yeah. team long-term. And with the long runway that he has... You know, he's a year and a half younger than Jaden Ivey. You know, you just wonder if that's somebody they would take a good hard look at. He's three years younger than Keegan Murray out of Iowa. I mean, to me, that's a way, that screams way more thunder than taking Keegan Murray at four. Yeah. Uh, and then Shaden Sharp is the wild card. He's this high-flying, shooting, 6'6 wing you know, he's a lot lighter than AJ is and a lot more inexperienced than AJ is just because he hadn't played it all this year. And we just, and we also just don't know what he is, but he's somebody they would consider there too. I mean, if you're taking a wing or a guard, then you have to start asking, like, what do they do with Teo Maladon? Like, do they keep him around? Because um, you really need to wait to decide who you draft for that. I, mean, I don't. I, I don't need to. I don't need to. <laughs> I'd like to sit him down tonight and tell him, "Hey, man, it's been real." I would. I'd be glad to because he's the only one that's playing hard on this team right now, and he's going to ruin things for us, like he did against the Magic the other night. Like I'd rather tell that guy just to be done. <laughs> he is crazy. Yeah. He is still crazy young. Um, I'm yeah, being but, too, I'm being uh, way too harsh on him because I think that he is the second youngest guy on the team, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's um, not right. Pogui's younger. Maybe third then. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's third. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Third youngest guy on the team still. Like Trey Mann is several months older than he is. JRE is but like several, a year. Several levels better than what Teo is. He's way better than Teo yeah and, and, and the point himself with conf, like just watching them on the court the confidence that Trey plays with it's like oh man like that's where he 
he is just different than all these other guys. Because you can, like, Trey is still a prospect in a lot of ways, but like Teo and even Poku to a degree, you're like, oh man, like they've got a ways to go. Even Veet, you're like, oh man. But Trey, he's just got something. There's just something about him that you're just like, okay, yeah, he belongs. He belongs here. Yeah, and and on on Teo, I mean, it's. It's early. I know that he may be one of those guys that if you have enough patience, he, he may find himself again. But I can't help notice that as soon as there was pressure on him, he disappeared. Yeah. The pressure is now completely released because mm-hmm. obviously he has nothing to play for. Uh, well, they have something to play for, but he clearly doesn't understand it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that when there is no pressure, there is still Madeline that makes a few shots, that makes a few penetrations, that that he's steady, that that sometimes plays at a good level, uh, where you can see, hey, maybe this guy, uh, if he hones a few of those skills, maybe he can be a rotational player. Yeah. But you don't see Till Madeline play and say, wow, he could be a starter in this league. No. I don't think that it, that for even a second I thought that during the season um, with Trey Mann. There are moments where you can see and say, wow, that's, that is superstar stuff. Mm-hmm. With Pokushevsky, you may not say that, but you see improvement. He, he can, we, we, we went from, hey, he can be the rela- rela- relation of, of this year uh, after the Clippers game. And then is, wow, he may be out of the league. And then, hey, he can be a very interesting, steady player that, has a lot of skills uh, that makes the guys around him better. And yes, he may not be the star that uh, we hoped he could be, but I can see a useful player. With Maledon, there are a lot of 6'5 guys that can hit a tree uh, at 33 34% and, and make a pass. And maybe, again, maybe I'm too harsh, uh, but um, but I don't quite see many reasons to, to keep him around, except for, hey, it's cheap. He's willing to come off the bench yep. and and then we'll keep him around for another year. Yeah. Because he's a worker. I, I don't I don't have any doubts that he is professional and he's working his tail off. That that is that may be true, but again, um I'm not sure if he belongs to to this kind of level as of yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, how much we you touched on it a bit, but how much do we take from Poku's games because he was good really quite good the other night and I feel like with Teo we're like oh it doesn't matter all the pressure's off of him like could that just be the same thing for Poku because at the beginning of this season it was it was about I mean we hit rock bottom yeah at least what we hope is rock bottom yeah and with Poku now, like he's looking pretty good. He's doing some stuff that he just didn't do at the beginning of the season. Like he loves to slip screens and he was like re-screening to make sure that he connected on a screen, which I'd never seen him do. And it just made me, I, I don't know. And there's also this part of us that is way more partial to Poku and his improvement than we are to Teo. And I think we're more oh. more likely to give the benefit of the doubt to Poku than we are to Teo in every sure. aspect of any of this. So I 
I don't know. Like I'm more, I'm, I'm, I can sit here and be more apt to say Poku is improving and looking great. And then I can look at Teo and be mad about it and be like, why is he doing this? He's no good. I wish that he wasn't on the team, <laughs> you know, and it's just all about like my own preferences, but it's also the reality that like you can go find a backup guard just about anywhere. Like there's a lot of the guys in yeah. the G league that are going to be better than Teo is today that you could go get right now, but you're not finding a seven foot wing that is going to do the things that Poku does. Like that's, and, and that therein lies like also the, the way other ways that you're going to be biased is that Poku's skills are incomparable at this point. And, you you want to you want that guy to work so much more yes that is surely part of us being biased uh, and you can say the same for like our uh, the fact that we dissect baseless game way more than we do poku um and it's based on potential i mean you can i think it happens with uh, if you if you ever i mean i know that you dealt with kids uh, a whole lot um in, in your career and mm-hmm. Uh, again, you, you you have the tendency to look at potential and saying, "Hey, I can be a little bit, uh, give this guy a little bit more of a leeway if I if I know if I see something uh, that he can uh, like grow into." Um, and you may be a little bit more harsh on, on other types of guys because of different reasons. So there is this. Uh, bias that we have because we see what Poco can be but I I want to first talk about um, the the pressure stuff I mean if you look at how Teo played um, at the beginning of the season it wasn't just a missing shot it was everything in this game that didn't look normal mm-hmm. if if he, if he would like say that he came on the court and just be a bulldog defensively with all the the like the other stuff not working because of, I mean, other other side of his character, then you can say, hey, this guy really wants it. But sometimes, like, for different reasons, the shot, it's it's not going in. With Poku, the thing that I like the most are not the, the fact that he's shooting better percentage from three. Yes, that helps. But the fact that he's focusing on the, on the little things. And this is very unlikely to be something that you, you lose because of... Uh, like, like who you are playing with, and, and, and Poku is like that since the since coming back from a G League. He had he he's on a very good streak of hey, I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do on on defense and offense, and sometimes I execute to perfection, and sometimes I have good nights. But I I do a like a, a base level of being a competent NBA player that wasn't there. Yeah. So that's why I think it's a bit different with Pokushevsky. Uh, and again, one may say, hey, why not Baisley? Basically, we, we saw in a, like a year more where it's hard to project him being um, a guy in this league with him being so inefficient yeah. in terms of uh, yeah. his shooting. And, and if next year, I'm, re- I'm ready to, tell, to, to say this today, if Poku is this inefficient in April next year, 
it will be probably hard for me to project anything because three years is a long time. Maybe mm-hmm. he'll have a comeback like like campaign or other guys that find ways to be better uh, later in their career. But how many of those guys are really uh, game changers? Very few of them. So if in three, three and a half years, there is no uh, path to being something that like that someone that, that can really impact the game I, I don't see many examples of guys that grow into that in later in their career um, maybe you have an example but I just I just can picture a guy that was very very inefficient uh, got an extension and suddenly later he he was just a great player I, I don't have yeah. any example in my, in my mind no he's got to make a big jump next year like he just like flat out needs to and you know in the months of february and march i think he's played 22 games he's 54 percent true shooting which is incredibly encouraging for yeah for what he could be he's in the month of march he's played 13 games He's 12.2 points, seven and a half rebounds, three assists per game. Yeah. Like that's, there's encouraging numbers there. There's also incredible opportunity there for him. Um, but his usage is not different than what it was in November. He played 14 games in November. Usage rate was 20.2. In March, 13 games, 21.2. You know, it's yeah, it's about the same. It's about the same, and in March he's a plus three and three point eight. In November he's minus three point five. You know, yeah. so there's there's positive things happening with Poku, and you just hope that he can build on it, because the problems with Poku is not that he's he's it's great he's had flashes he's got this crazy skill set, but the peaks and the valleys. The peaks aren't that high, by the way, but he hits a peak, but the valley is so low that it's con- it's concerning. Like he needs to level it out because right now it's all the way up, all the way back down, all the way up, all the way back down, and it's like you, if you the guys that stay in the league, like it's it's very steady, you know, guys that yeah. stick that can play. On winning teams, to so talk about having a winning team, some people think this team could be a winning team next year. I'm not one of those people, but if you think that, <laughs> I know we you, know. If you think that's possible, well, look at what the Grizzlies like. The reason the Grizzlies continue to win without Jaw is because they have guys that don't have wild swings from good to bad. They just have a consistency. And it deviates just a little bit here and a little bit there. Sometimes they're a little bit better. Sometimes they're a little bit worse. But it's never like, you know, whoever. Desmond Baines, man, Desmond Baines has gone four weeks and he doesn't look like an NBA player. (laughs) You know, it's never that. And that's how you create a team that's really good, that has a chance to win the Western Conference, is that everybody from one to ten it's is consistent, steady, and yeah. and deviate very very little from who they are. And with Poku, we haven't even established who he is. 
like the hope is that like this is the kind of player that he is. 12 points, seven boards, three assists. Like, wow, what a helpful player, either starting or off the bench. I could care less. Yeah. But there's there's at least something, but we have to establish that for a long period of time. Like the month, like February, March, that's not going to cut it. We need We need six months of this. We need October, November, December, January of next year. For him yeah, to exactly. do that. Because you look at December, in 12 games in December, it's not good. He's three points, yeah. four boards. Yeah. He can only yeah, play no, 14 that's... minutes a game. Yeah. He is, what was he, 41% true shooting. In November, in 14 games, 37% true shooting. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Um, you can't, like you can't, you you can't have a month like that again. Like, if he's no, going to no, be an no. NBA player, like you can't do that ever again yeah yeah that's that's not uh nba sustainable and you mentioned memphis but another example is phoenix um yeah. phoenix has very 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 steady guy and they also, they added probably a steadier of the point guards uh in chris paul and yeah and, and this is the, the secret of success like being being the same version of the team every single line no matter who you play who plays on the court and i think that okisia has in their minds, a plan to be that, uh, to be the team that has um, a way of playing that is very, very similar no matter who's on the court. Um, but they just lack a lot in consistency and shooting. And and having reliable shooters helps you a lot in the process yeah. because the fact that you don't know how much, like in the in the good nights, you can clearly see OKC being a dangerous. Team. Even even without another star, you can see how Shea can be extremely impactful if if the if the court is spread. You can already see that right now, and you can see that the same way with Gideon, man. Um, but the point is, as you mentioned, that if the others go twenty eight percent from three one night, and then maybe the, the other one is forty five, and then twenty two, and that, that that cannot be it. And that's why I have my my issues in um, with inconsistent shooters and in general inefficient players, because that is hard. It's very hard to to have a team that is successful if you have the majority of the three point shooters that are erratic in their percentage and not reliable. Mm. And and yeah, you're right with Poku. I mean, you and Jay said it. Uh, I think in the last five pod, he cannot start this the season in the in the same way another time he needs yeah. to be better and i completely agree um so this summer will be extremely important um it doesn't have to be too much different from this though even nine ten points on low 30 from three and just above 50 into shooting that would be an incredible improvement uh, if he can if he can stick with that for for a couple of months yeah. Uh, let's take a look at the standings here for the Thunder. They currently sit at fourth. I, I think that this is where they're going to end up. You know, right now it's a it's very, very interesting because one, two, and three are all tied at 20 and 55. Yeah. Um, and then you have OKC at fourth and 21 and 53. They're gonna have to lose to Detroit. You know that's that's a must lose game. That's on Friday of this week. Yeah, um, 
and they've got Portland tonight in Portland. I just have a hard time seeing the Thunder winning, but Earth losing, I mean, which is winning. Uh, that's going to be tough. They get Portland again next Tuesday, April 5th for the last home game. And then, yeah. I mean, they got Atlanta, which it, with this team, Atlanta better beat this team. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just yeah. better beat this team. And then you have Phoenix on Sunday. Like, that's going to be a loss for they sure. They have Phoenix. nothing to play, but they have nothing. They, they may rest everyone. I, dude, they're... They're just rolling, like they're just rolling people. Yeah. yeah, it would take a them sitting a massive amount of people for me to believe. Which may happen. Actually, just to that. screw OKC over, it could <laughs> just happen. for fun. And then on the road at Utah, at Lakers, at Clippers. And the only thing that the Clippers might have might have is that Paul George is ramping up to play again, and they may yeah. want him to play as many games as possible until the end of the season. So that's, there's like in lies some, some hope there. Yeah. But this smells like a 24 week season. Yeah. I, I don't disagree where, uh, is that your prediction? Yeah. You think they're going to win yeah, it's three more? Yeah. Oh, McKelly. Yeah, that I, is disgusting. I, look, I do. I, I do think that. I think that they win both the Portland games because it's impossible to lose them. Uh, and um, and I think that they will, will snag another one. Mm. I don't like that. I don't yeah, like that. I don't like that me at neither. all. But at least it's consistent with my beginning of the season prediction. Yeah. I predict slightly over. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm afraid that this is what will end up happening. I think they split Portland. I think they lose the rest. 22. Well, yeah. if they split with Portland, I think that they will be... If that is true, then they they probably are mathematically... The I think that, that, that Detroit will jump them. There is some... some is there some matchup between uh, Orlando and Detroit still? I don't remember, but if they are at 22, I think that they have a very good chance to be in in better position than fourth. They don't. Detroit's got oh, they've got they do play. No, Indy. Detroit has the hardest schedule. They have Indy ever. and Oklahoma City are the only two that look winnable for them. They got Brooklyn, Philly, OKC, Indy, Dallas, Milwaukee, Philly. The only thing is that. Same thing with the Clippers, where you get to the end here. Like, is Mil- are Milwaukee and Philly going to be playing in those games? I mean, that's the yeah, exactly. Like, that's the that's the danger of playing teams there. Now, I'm not actually think the Lakers are going to roll the Thunder because they have to win games. <laughs> they absolutely have to win games moving forward. Uh, Orlando, they have Washington that they could win. They have New York. That they could win. Charlotte's not all that good, but they do have Cleveland twice. They've got Miami. They've got Toronto. I don't think they'll win those yeah. games. And then Houston, which I, I really thought they had the the one wrapped up, but the problem is they played Portland twice and won both of them. Um, and, yeah. then, and they beat Washington. They've won three out of four right now. Uh, they have Sacramento twice. 
Yikes. March 30th and April 1st. Both at home. That's wild. Uh, and then Minnesota, Brooklyn, Toronto, Atlanta, maybe is one. They do have San Antonio. They could, San yeah, Antonio I know. It's, it looks like OKC is screwed. Well, not screwed. Just at four. That's why, I mean, I've been predicting they'll stay at four for a long time, and that I'll continue to predict that. And they just need to have equal or um, better luck than last season. <laughs> If they could, if they could vault themselves into the top three, that would be terrific. If they just stay at four, also terrific. Because yeah, who knows what teams like what players? If Orlando's in the top three, my guess is, and if they don't get number one, I guess they would take Jaden Ivey. Then you're going to get one of the bigs, whether that be Chet Jabari or Paolo, and who the heck knows who that's going to be. Because yeah. if if teams watch the tournament or if the team's owner watches the tournament, they're probably taking Paulo over those guys. Yeah. You know, if your owner has anything to say about any of this, they're probably not taking Chet because <laughs> of the way that he looks and the way that he played in the tournament. I think guys I think I think owners that don't know a lot about basketball are gonna be completely out on him. Uh yeah. so it will be quite interesting to see what happens with this draft not only for the draft lottery which will be fascinating and we are going to have a draft lottery party by the way so mark your calendars for that and plan to join us on that night of complete devastation or complete jubilee i don't know what it'll be but you got to be there with your people in order to experience it and yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's going to be, it's, it's a pivot point for every bad team. The lottery is, and it is very much a pivot point for this Thunder and the Thunder franchise because, you know, they got lucky in the James Harden year. They got lucky in the Kevin Durant year. Most, they got the most lucky because I think they were supposed to be eighth in that draft and they bumped all the way up to two. And I think they were unlucky in the Westbrook one because they went down to four. But yeah, you know, they, this is this is it. This is the this is the thing. This is what you lose all year for is to just have a shot at Keegan Murray. Sorry, <laughs> they're not taking. I just I would be very surprised if they took him. Hey, if they tra- if they got the eighth pick, it may be not their choice. It may be hey, can I get Keegan Murray or or Jalen Durant because. I mean that can be a reality. Let's let's uh, think about the worst and uh, and hope for the best. Yeah, I think taking a swing at Shaden Sharp at seven is probably where we're going to be at. And yeah. who knows? Maybe he's the best player in the draft. Who knows? Uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening to our show. Hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Um, I would say enjoy the game tonight, but that will be tough. It will be tough. Let's just, you know, I don't even have to tell the Thunder to do the right thing anymore because it feels like we're close to a Shea Gilgis-Alexander shutdown. They're done with with Giddy. They are bringing back Jeremiah tonight, which is uh, interesting. And we'll see how he plays and what he looks like post-injury. 
so that's at least something interesting to watch for. But, you know, hopefully this team loses and we get to keep on rolling and maybe roll into the top three. They really have a chance. They've really got a shot here with everybody all bunched up. You know, they they hold their destiny here. And you know what? Mark, maybe the, the right thing here is for Mark Degnault to run the offense through Olivier Saar. We've yep. seen teams do stuff like this at the end of the year. Mark, it's time for you to do the right thing. Mark, it's time for you to play <laughs> Olivier Saar. 37 minutes and give him 37 shots. One shot per minute yeah. for Saar. Well, guys, it's been 58 seconds. We've got to get Saar a shot. That's, that would be my challenge to Mark. Let's get Olivier Saar 37 shots. That's the right thing. I think that's the right thing. That's how you lose to Portland is that you just let Olivier Saar. Let's just say, hey, let's try to get you a career-high 50 tonight, brother. Let's go for <laughs> it. And if he does it, it'll be incredible. And if he doesn't do it, then we'll lose. Yeah. But right if they thing. win, I would be extremely miffed. That'd be a wild way to win. I don't know if I can be yeah. mad about that. I don't know if I can be mad about Olivier Saar scoring oh, yeah, 50. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you, yes, it's you could ult- be mad anyway. It's the ultimate weirdo so, game. Yeah, but let's be mad for, like, I would prefer being mad at OKC if man goes for 70 or something like that. Yeah. I would that. Just yeah, let's say have feels, 42 shots. That somehow feels more possible than Sar getting 50. This Trey man getting 70. Also more fun. If you have to lose, yeah. let's have Trey putting up 70. Let's go, Sar. It's Sar time tonight, everybody. All right. You guys have a good, good night. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.